Welcome to today's edition of the Bible Class. Our teacher, Dr. Kenneth C. Hill, is teaching from the New Testament book of 1 John. You may send your questions by email through our website at whcbradio.org. That's whcbradio.org. Or you may mail those questions to the Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bluntville, Tennessee, 37617. And now, here's Dr. Hill with today's lesson. Welcome to the Bible class. We're continuing our study of the epistles of John, and we're in 1 John chapter 5. We're completing our study today. We're at verse 18. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself and that wicked one toucheth him not. And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. And we know that the Son of God is come, and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true, and that we are in him that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Because we are a Christian doesn't necessarily mean that we are having no problem with sin. Our sinful nature has not been eradicated, but we have a new nature in Christ Jesus. It is not required, in fact it is unusual, for us to continue to be dominated by the old nature. We can live in the strength and the power of the nature of Christ. So when the old nature gets in control, the believer needs to not yield to sin, but to confess to the Lord with a desire to obey. Now, if you've fallen into sin, God, of course, forgives you immediately when you confess it to him. The sin that was committed is not sin unto death, as is mentioned here. It's under the blood forever, and again the believers in fellowship with the Lord. One may confess his sin and habitually repeat the same sin, failing to claim God's power to overcome it. And for this, there's no forgiveness until there's sincere repentance. It results in God's chastening. It's abnormal for a true child of God to continue in sin after coming to Christ. Again, verse 18, we know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. As we've mentioned before, sinneth not is not a suggestion of sinless perfection. If you're truly born of God... The person who is truly born of God does not continue in the practice of sin. He forsakes the way of sin and wants above everything else to please the Lord and to follow Christ. He's a sinner by nature, of course, but the nature has been changed. He has a new nature. And he's redeemed. He's become a redeemed sinner. He has new ambitions, new motives. The latter part of verse 18 shows us that the Christian is continuously in conflict 
with Satan and his minions. Notice, he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. To keep oneself does not mean that we are to resist Satan in our own strength. We couldn't do that. We're too weak for that, of course. But we are to resist Satan in the strength that the Lord gives us. We're to trust the Lord completely. We're to lean on him wholly. And we are to be following Jesus Christ. As we trust Christ for his power, then the devil cannot touch us. There's never a time when the child of God needs to be defeated by sin. The Lord Jesus declared in Matthew 28:18, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. It's not a little bit of power, some limited amount of power, some power. It's all power through Jesus Christ. We have the power. The believer has sufficient power to overcome any temptation that the deceiver might put before him. We know that Satan is mighty, but we also know that Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, is almighty. And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. That wickedness could be translated, lies in the wicked one. We know from 2 Corinthians 4.4 4, that Satan is the God, that's little g, of this world. He's the one who controls the present world system. He opposes God. He opposes righteousness. He's the one that causes legislators and senators and congressmen and presidents and governors to act in ungodly fashion and seek ungodly goals with ungodly motives and ungodly means. It's Satan who's in charge, but there's Christ. Remember, Christ is all-powerful. Satan is powerful, but Christ is all-powerful. Now, remember, too, that there are two classes of humanity. Number one, there are those who are children of God. And then number two, there are those who are children of the devil. These are two opposite and opposing forces living in the present world. And this will continue until Christ returns. When Christ returns, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Christ Jesus is Lord. Satan will be bound for a thousand years and Christ will reign in righteousness. But until Christ returns, we've got the fight with this powerful enemy of everything that is good, right, and godly. This powerful enemy of Satan and his minions. It is assuring for the child of God to understand that we will never face the disruptor of peace and blessings in our own strength. We don't have to do that. We don't have to be without the all-conquering and all-powerful Christ Jesus, giving us all the strength and power that we need to live in victory. Every believer possesses the potentiality for good or evil, and since he's both an old and new nature, he can be a tool for evil, a vessel for good. In himself, the believer is not sufficient to make proper choices. 
Matthew 19.26 says, With men, all uh, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. With men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. We've got to yield completely to Christ. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And we'd say, who strengthens me? Yielded to Christ, the believer is a conquering power for good. We are of God. And that's what we're taught here in verse 19. And we know that we're of God. And the whole world lies in the hands of the wicked one. It's a blessing to live in joyful obedience to Christ. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. We know that we are of God. We know that the Son of God is come and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true. And we are in him that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. It is possible for everybody to know Jesus Christ, who is both God and eternal life. If you have not ever definitely asked him to come into your life as Savior and Lord, you need to do so today. Verse 21 is the finale here, the final verse of 1 John chapter 5 and of the epistle of 1 John. Little children... Keep yourselves from idols. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. It's needful that those of us who have been born into the family of God never allow idols to distract our attention from the one and true living God. Usually an idol is seen as a statue of something. It's some sort of a man's creation of some figure or figurine. But the idol that's mentioned here is any object of preference which makes God take second place. If it is before God and God is behind the idol, then that leads to idol worship. And of course, this idol does not have to be something carved of stone or wood. It could be a car, perhaps, or somebody. Maybe your idol is sports, or some television program, or some computer situation. But whatever it is, whether it's antiques, your house, decoration items, children, uh, lust, sinful indulgences. Any of these things can be an idol. And sometimes a believer becomes an idol worshiper and doesn't even realize it. It's akin to this that uh, Dr. George A. Anderson had to say many years ago as he taught. Dr. Anderson said, it's not what you own that gives you concern, but it's what owns you. When our Lord was asked, which is the great commandment in the law, his reply was, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, 
This is the first and great commandment from Matthew 22:36 through 38. It's still the first and great commandment. So the question then, as we come to the end of 1 John, is, do you love Jesus Christ with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind? If you do, then you know the blessedness of living confidently. One of these days you'll be with your living, loving Lord to praise him throughout eternity, along with a great host of saints who've been redeemed by the very precious blood of the Lamb. And this is what John is writing about in this first epistle of John. Living confidently, knowing, being assured of our salvation. And then we look at uh, a commentator and a commentary uh, from the book New Testament Survey by Robert G. Gromacki. And it was a Baker Bookhouse book back many years ago. And he speaks of these verses that we've been studying in the last little bit. Assurance of salvation can also be gained through answered prayer and the will of God. Chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. John then distinguished between intercessory prayer for brothers sinning a type of sin that would not culminate in premature physical death and a lack of prayer for a brother who did persistently sin, a type of sin that would bring severe divine chastisement. And so what is sin unto death? Well, commentators, different commentators, have been puzzled for generations by this concept. It could refer to conscious, persistent disobedience to the revealed will of God. John fifteen six, first Corinthians eleven twenty nine, James five nineteen through twenty. The Apostle John concluded the book or the letter with a series of three we knows, there in verses eighteen, nineteen, and twenty. A genuine child of God will be kept by Christ from habitual sin and from the eternal grasp of Satan. The believer knows that he belongs to God and that the world lies in the lap of the wicked one, namely, namely Satan. The believer has an understanding given by the Spirit that he knows the true God, even Jesus Christ. And so we have that understanding from God's Word and then also from the commentator. And so we appreciate J. Allen Blair and his Epistles of John devotional studies on living confidently and Gromaki's New Testament survey. And we also appreciate what the Bible's all about by uh, Henrietta Mears. Lots of good information in each of these. And of course, we also have our study Bibles and other things that we use uh, as we study various books on the Bible class. I want us to uh, take a look at some summary understanding of 1 John. Uh, This letter was written apparently by John when he was very old, the year of AD 90 probably from Ephesus. And he writes to Christians that were young and old. He called them born ones or bairns. Uh, technia in 
um, in the Greek. God deals with his very own born-again children. And he says, I wrote this, that those who believed in Christ might know that they have eternal life. That is in 1 John 5.13. Now, in John chapter 20, the uh, Gospel of John, John tells us why he wrote the Gospel. He said that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. So notice it was to present Christ evangelistically in the Gospel of John and to present Christ in his assurance in 1 John. So we understand that. In the word know... K-N-O-W. We see that running throughout the epistle. We've talked about it before. Uh, and it's 30 times used in 1 John. John wrote for four reasons, according to his own writings, uh, that Christians might be happy in John, 1 John chapter 1, verse 4, that they might not sin in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, that they might be on guard against error in 1 John chapter 2, verse 26, and that they might know 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. And this is a confident epistle. John was the disciple whom Jesus loved. He stood close to him on the cross at Calvary. He looked into the empty tomb on the morning of the resurrection. On the island of Patmos, he was lifted up by the Spirit and saw a door opened into heaven. This one gives us his witness of the facts. And he says, we know there is no possibility of doubt in my mind. We know that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. It is Jesus Christ, the Son of the very living God. John says, I know him because I have handled him. I know him because I have heard him. I have seen him. He is the word of life. He wants to bring his readers, his hearers, into an intimate fellowship with the Father and with the Son, that their joy might be full. When we look at the word joy, we're reminded of the child's song, Jesus and others and you. What a wonderful way to spell joy. Jesus and others and you, in the life of each girl and each boy, J is for Jesus, for he has first place. O is for others we meet face to face, and whatever you do, you always stay third and spell joy, J-O-Y. And so it's important for us as we see the word joy and our joy being full, we find that in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, God the Son, took on flesh and lived with men, and they then heard his voice, saw his face, 
and felt the touch of his loving hand. This brought God to man, that we might have fellowship. To walk in fellowship is to live in agreement, and this is what we were given the opportunity to do by Christ himself coming and being, living, dwelling on this earth. God the Father wants us to have fellowship with him and in him to have fellowship with one another. We not only must believe like Christians, but we must act like Christians. Thank you for joining us today for this edition of the Bible Class with Dr. Kenneth C. Hill. You may reach us by email by going to our website, whcbradio.org, and sending us an email on the Contact Us link. That's whcbradio.org. If you prefer to use the postal service, our address is the Bible Class, WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bluntville, Tennessee, 37617. That's the Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bluntville, Tennessee, 37617. You may also call us at 423-878-6279. Until our next Bible Class program, we are trusting that the Lord will richly bless you as you serve Him.